Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. This week on the PR Moment Podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Rebecca Blinson-Jones, UK Managing Director at MWW. MWW is a US-owned mid-sized PR firm with revenues of 40 to $50 million, employing about 250 people. In the UK, its revenue is about $1.7 million, employing about 20 people. Rebecca, welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. Now, early in your career, you worked at Tex100, and this seemed to have a big impact on the rest of your career, not least because you met your husband there. Yeah, that's right. I met Ben, my husband. It's a good name. Uh, yes, it's a very good name. He worked in the Microsoft press office, and I was an account exec uh, working on the Microsoft account. Um, in fact, there were lots of relationships at Tex100. It was quite a formative part of my career and a lot of other people that are still married or divorced now. Oh. <laughs> Well, this sounds a much more interesting avenue for the podcast. Um, so the sordid details of Text 100 in those years. Is well, the, yeah, uh, I mean, we did. We definitely, everybody <laughs> says work hard, play hard, but we definitely did work right. hard and play hard. The nature of Microsoft was that, you know, you, you did work very long hours. Um, and obviously technology wasn't as uh, omnipresent as it is now. So, you know, it was a question of three o'clock in the afternoon and all the emails from the U.S., would start coming in. Um, so it kept you busy, right. but we equally did have a lot of fun. So obviously I met my husband. And, uh, and where are we now? What, what sort of year was this? Uh, this would be mid-1990s. Okay, mm. right. Um, and as you say, at the time, uh, text was, was Microsoft agency in the UK, um, and clearly there was a, a pretty firm work ethic, shall we say, um, which I suspect, in fact I know, is maintained on the Microsoft account <laughs> today. Um but everyone who tells me about what it was to work at text at that time says it was a, a, a great place to be. Yeah, I mean, it was it was my first taste of big agency life. Um, I sort of really cut my teeth working with some of the toughest press to deal with, the right. IT trade press in the UK. Um, but we did, you know, I formed some really lifelong friendships there, not, as well as my husband. Um, right. And it was a great place. It was a great place to work with some great PR people, uh, lots of whom have gone on to bigger and better things. Right. Including your good self. Obviously, um, yes. And then you went to, to, to work for Magic PR. Um, and just tell me about that, because that's not really an agency I was that familiar with. But, uh... So Mantra really was uh, an agency set up uh, at the height of the dot-com boom. Right. And it was set up by two uh, ex-Brunswick uh, guys, Lawrence Dorr and Debbie Wasco. And they were really inspirational um, leaders, and they built a really cool agency. We were in uh, off Bond Street. Um, you know, we were signing clients up off the back of... Um, napkins in Starbucks, you so know, we're, for we're ridiculous late, we're late fees. 90s now, are we? Is that, uh, oh. le- yeah, nineteen ninety nine going into two thousand. Right. Yeah. So it was a really uh, amazing time. But then, um, obviously, the bust happened shortly and did after. They, they sold it to to the Lowy Group. They sold it to Lowy uh, in two thousand and. Mm, late, so, but well um, after the bust. Well so, after the so, bust. So yeah, yeah. Had a good time. Yeah, had a good time. We had a tough time. I managed to stick through the tough time, and then we grew it again to oh, quite a you? successful business, right. which was then sold to Lowy. Okay, so that yeah. was that was quite a nice story in that sense yeah. because it, you know, like like lots of PR firms at that time, especially independents, mm. um, it wasn't the easiest 
time to, to, to run a business. No. So when it, 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 it flew, then it, it went, well, it had some tough times. Yeah. Um, and then you, then you came back. So what, yeah. was, what was it when it was going really well, pre, pre-dot-com bubble bursting? Mm. What, what, what did it get to revenue-wise? Uh, um, I think it. Oh God, now I think it got to around three million. Okay, and then it went a bit, and then and then it came back and and, and was sold. And was sold, yeah. Right. And yeah. and that was, I sort of witnessed that there was Mantra was sold to the Lottery Group in two thousand and nine. Uh, no, it would been a couple of years before that because um, they became Speed in yeah, two thousand and nine. Um, right, and then exactly. So it was Mantra was was part of, was was Mantra's part of the Lottery Group. Um, and then we were merged with um, Rainier, oh, Com- right. Rainier Communications and a small consumer outfit called BMA right. Communications, which had a large piece of business, Tesco Health and Beauty oh, did it? business. Yeah. So yeah. we were all in different offices. Um, and then just before I left, they brought us all together, uh, merged us and uh, formed Speed Communications, right. which happened in 2009, yeah. uh, just as I went on maternity leave. Right. So that was Steve mm. Waddington and Steve Earle. Exactly. But, yeah, they but, were but running it. But you didn't, you went off on maternity leave. Yeah. And you ne- you never returned, is that right? I mean, uh, yeah. No, I didn't go back, unfortunately. Right. Okay. Uh, that's another story, right. uh, not for this podcast. We'll but uh, <laughs> um, I went off and I, um, well, I was going to work for myself freelance, right. um, but then hooked up with an old friend and colleague from Text 100 Days, a guy called Pete Gould, who has set up an agency called Punch Communications. So oh, okay. um, I worked for him um, after having my first child uh, part-time. They had, I still have Sony Mobile, I think, and Savu, one of those price uh, shopping voucher websites right. uh, with their two big clients. And I worked for them for a year and then um, went off on maternity leave with my second child. Okay. In 2011. So you were never, you were never, were you at speed, post, sort of post the... No, I missed, together? I missed all of that. Okay. I missed it, so... Right. Um, and then you yeah. joined Paris Communications. I did. So Paris um, Communications was set up by two ex-Mantra guys. Exactly, which yeah. is, and that's where this theme pad, paddy, of Paddy Herridge... Um, He's not a constant theme in my well, career. Well, I don't know about constant, but... <laughs> He'd um, love that. Um, <laughs> He, he crops up a bit, doesn't he? He does. He um, does. He has a habit of that. And so there was both because so, you first met at Mantra, yeah. is that right? Yeah. And that's quite interesting, isn't it? I think a lot of us have that. You know, you, there's people who you you don't work with all the time, mm. but you you sort of see each other um, every couple of jobs. Yeah, it's quite a nice thing, is it? Was and it? It's kept, like a cozy kept, jumper. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> we kept in touch, and we uh, we both went to each other's weddings. Oh, right. um, that's nice. And you know, our my our husband and his wife, uh, we all get on really well. And he just said, you know, come and I've started this business. We could really do um, with your help, and we know you. So just come and do as many days as you like. Which in uh, at that stage was just two days a week. So that was brilliant, right? Um, because it was in Putney, and I lived in Wandsworth, so Perfect. I could get to work really easily and just um, get back into the game after an, after a year off again yeah. with with my second child. But, but where you did well and where you've been quite shrewd is you you had equity in Paris. I did, yeah. At, 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 but you also had equity in Mantra. I did, I did, yes. In Mantra, so I, did you know, I did very well out of Mantra. Done, not as well as Debbie and Lawrence, but I did okay. Right. Um, but that's good, though, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, lots lots of people who've done, who are in your shoes, haven't managed to persuade the independent agency owners that they happen to be working for that they, they should get a bit of equity. Um, I think and it you was, obviously have done yeah. and you've done it twice. I think it's quite common in, um, obviously, Mantra days because it right. was dot-com boom time and a lot of... There were clients that were offering you equity in exchange for fees. That was quite a common right. thing in those days. Obviously, I think Mantra only actually 
made money out of one client but I think that was quite surprising in itself but yeah so there was quite a few few of us at the beginning that did did have options okay. but I was the only one that stayed long longer. enough to actually realize them because I was there for uh eight or nine years right. yeah so no I did I did I did well out of that I mean and I've um I suppose what I've done is I've always gone in at businesses when they're quite early stage yeah um so I've taken that, the that... risk myself to set up but yeah, I've okay. been there at the beginning and helped to grow the businesses until they until they um, have some sort of exit, but yeah, I've, I'm uh, just thinking that through. Is that do you think that's less common now? I mean, there's there's various firms that make quite a bit of noise mm. about having being employee owned and that type of mm. thing, but you know, frankly, unless the the business sells at the end, it's of of, of limited use yeah. to that individual employee exactly. until exactly. until there is an exit. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I would it be uh, I don't know if you asked um, the lady from Tim Mann if she. Done Mandy. That with it, Mandy from where they done that with their employees? Any of the newer startups now? Um, it's not something I've heard of. I, mean, not, no. I don't want to go to. I, it was I quite common, I suppose, in, in, in two, early two thousand. I think it's less common now, yeah. which is possibly a bad thing, doesn't it? Mm. Because it, you know we're talking about um, all 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 PR firms tend to um, struggle to hold on to their mm. best people, and guess mm. what? The best way to keep hold of your best people is to give them a bit of equity. Um, yeah, but the thing is, unless you can, you know, you're not normally privy to the conversations that the the owners of the business are having yeah um so you've got really no idea about how soon something might happen yeah um i think i but, suppose i've yeah, i have been at the right place at the right time yeah. on two different occasions so, so there's a bit of a bit of luck and a bit of loyalty yeah um, i mean that's not happening and, with and, mww and, though so because uh that's that's uh independently owned by michael so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the um yeah, I just I do wonder if that's a, 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 a the other part of that is that these days there seem to be in the last couple of years anyway, and I suspect it might be this might be a longer term trend is that there's less acquisitions other than micro acquisitions going on in the market. So well, I don't know because Waiter Blues just sold. Yeah, that's true. Um, and actually, yeah. uh, the COO is ex Mantra. Oh, is he? Yeah, Mark oh, Berry. So they yeah, so that's Mantra true. has spawned quite a lot of. Uh, people that have gone on to either set their own things up or, or yeah. have gone on and done very well. So okay. they did. They did instill quite an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial culture, which I suppose was was indicative of that time. But yeah. um, I think there's been a few. There's been a few sales recently. It depends who's in the market on, for the, on the smaller level. On the thought, smaller yeah. level, yeah. I mean, yeah, except always... for Taneo. Well, that was a few years ago, mm. right? But, no, but they've made a few other acquisitions along the way, haven't they? The, the management consulting firm that they've bought. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But so I mean, might, you hopefully you might see more interesting different acquisitions. Like in the US, we've acquired a search agency called Search Interactions. Yeah. So rather than looking at PR, it that, might that be was other what sides I, yeah. of it. Yeah. That's what I meant. Is mm. the, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. It, it, but the, there's, there seems to be fewer, I don't know, PR firms of with a revenue or fee income above, let's say three million, mm. being bought over the last couple of years. I'm yeah. not saying there's been none, yeah. but there seems to be anyway. Um, now going back to to Paris, which mm. was then sold to MWW in 2013. Is that uh, right? That is correct. Yes, five there, years ago this about? month. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's um, birthday. Yeah. Okay. Um, which was you, you had your five year anniversary last. Yes, last night. Birthday, so. I should say. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, tell me about MWW because I, I suspect a lot of our listeners won't be mm. aware of them because they're they're part of um, well, there's a few of these these um, independent, mid-sized US-owned PR firms coming mm. over in London, setting up offices. Hoffman might be another. Mm. That um, 
and it, it's quite an interesting model, isn't it? And 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 how what's it like to work for one? Um, well, it's. Great. I mean, the you have to say that. Of course, I have to say that. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm recently promoted to managing director. So, um, I mean, it's not without. You know, we are culturally different, but um, my theory and and view at the moment is that um, we need to get to know our US colleagues as much as possible in order for us to mm-hmm. grow the business over here and and over there, um, and in order for us to share more clients. Um, you know, we almost have to do our own PR in the London office of keep raising our profile with our US colleagues because there are, you know, over 200 of them across eight offices in the US. Yeah. They're not always going to be thinking about the UK angle. Because how many people are you guys in, in... So we're 20 now 20. in London, yeah. So you're, the, the UK operation is about the size of an office in one of the, the, the regional in, offices yeah, in Yeah, we're one in of the, the larger... US. We are one of the larger offices, okay. but obviously New York is like the, is the, is the one with the lar- largest yeah. share of people and then... Um, I think San Francisco or LA has got a similar size to us, but then some of the other offices are quite small. They've just opened a very small office in Charlotte, which is like a two-hour commute from New York because it's some a place where um, uh, people are going to bring up families. So actually yeah. it's a place to commute to New York and uh, bring up a family with cost-effective, you know, That's with a nice quality of life. Yeah. Um, Michael's seen that the way to attract staff is to look at different places outside of the... The big cities. I wonder if we see that over here a bit, as, as you know, London becomes such a expensive place for for offices and to live and to work. Um, maybe there'll be a potentially. We're not going to live in Reading or something. I don't know, but um... only if the office rent office rents go so through the roof. But with <laughs> Brexit, I doubt that's going to happen. So let's not talk about Brexit. <laughs> Um, okay, and then, um, but I'm just intrigued by that because the mid-sized firms yeah. globally are having a nice time, aren't they? Um, yes, relatively speaking, um, and therefore, and those, you know, all these things are relative. But the mid-sized term firms in the US are actually pretty, pretty big companies, mm, right? Yeah. MWW is free income of between forty and fifty million yeah. pounds. I mean, I'd say in America we come up against Edelman. That would be the yeah. the sort of number one competitor. It, oh, but while in London we don't really come up against them as much because yeah. they're much bigger than us. Yeah, well, that, that's, that, but that's quite. Mm. Um, but you, you see what I mean. So therefore, you you've got these firms that have a relatively small brand mm. and awareness within the London market, mm. but presumably have quite big ambitions, mm. and frankly have um, have the resource to, to 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 make some quite big moves in the market. Yeah. Should those opportunities come around, yeah. or, and they want to do them, yeah, they yeah. want to take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, and we did make an acquisition here about uh, two or three years ago where we acquired Braben PR, right, and they were a media. Uh, owner and agency specialist so a lot of our media owner clients have come from the Braben acquisition Um, obviously I mentioned the search interactions acquisition in the US there's a part investment in a consumer outfit called Burke Communications in the US Um, and I think there is there definitely you know plans to do more acquisitions whether it's in UK Europe or in or in the US there's definitely that that is definitely on the cards it's quite a nice um it's an interesting element of the market to think about because, as a you know observer, the London PR scene um, that there's there's some firms who we think are doing really well mm. who are you know anywhere from two million to eight million mm. and are independent and growing mm. fast and mm. uh, and we all think this is this is this is this is great and good which it is mm. but then you know, in the end the the US is a bigger market oh, isn't yeah. it yeah uh, and you think of a mid sized firm. 
um, with ambitions to to make a, a splash in the European market and presumably um, elsewhere as well. Mm. Um, you know, like like MWW, you mentioned like Hoffman, like mm. KWT. Mm. There's a few of them, um, and they're coming over. And and none of them are, they're all over in the market now. And mm. and and they're, presumably they're starting to. I, I think they're all probably looking to potentially acquire mm. uh, and grow that market share. So it'd be interesting to see what happens in that over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we. We did have a presence here. It wasn't like they came and opened an office with one person. No. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Paris yeah. Communications, we were about 10 people. Mm. And, and we did have, you know, a decent client list at that stage. But that just the acquisition sort of turbo yeah, exactly. charged us, allowed us to move into Soho. There was the mm. buzz around the acquisition. Um, you know, at any time when you first launch onto the scene, there's a lot of PR around you and a lot of interest. The, I suppose the challenge is maintaining that interest and that growth. And, you, you know, I think, oh... We're, our challenge is now to really get our name out there, invest more in marketing, which we're going to be doing um, next year to grow out of the sort of niche sectors that we've probably we've known quite well for in certain areas like just, media, just those, yeah, like yeah. media owners, media agencies, ad tech. Um, you know, we've got uh, an amazing client list in that in that space and a strong heritage from the Paris Communication days, but. Um, you know, we want to maintain that because they're, you know, in terms of attracting US clients to have, you know, News UK and The Times and The Sunday Times and Evening Standard and PR for The Sunday Times Rich List and um, working for people like Shutterstock, you know, that is that is quite attractive. What what we haven't been so good at is shouting about it and being right. uh, probably a bit too British and humble about the work that we do um, and talking more of a, a, a one MWW story, not positioning ourselves as the London outpost of a larger agency. Right. Um, so that's that's the plan for the next few years is to um, take the work we do across all our offices and use that to market into key sectors like food and drink um, and and travel and consumer tech. Okay. And and how, how are you doing that? Are you, are you doing that by hiring the best people you can find or through acquisition? Or I suppose it just depends on what opportunities come up. I it? think at the moment we've, we're looking at right where, where what experience have we got, um, where could we apply that, and then um, making sure that we're at the right events to the sectors that we want to grow into, right. um, taking the work with working with a big one of our big clients that they've won in the US is Stolly. So they don't just own vodka, they own... Uh, tequila and mezcal brands and we've been doing work for them over here in London so um, how can we take that experience and try and get more food and drink brands on our books because in the US they've won things like Whole Foods um, so they've got a big food and drink uh, client roster and it only makes sense that we can yeah. grow that over here because we've got the capabilities um, so, and the experience. So that, so MWW in the US is, what, what's that renowned for? In terms of well, it's quite generalist, but it? it does it does okay. have, you know, travel and food and drink and public affairs and lobbying because Michael Kempner is a, a fundraiser for the Democrat Party. So that's that's originally how we started the business. But it's but it's a generalist. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's corporate quite communications, consumer, digital, public so affairs. It's, so it's quite a different offer from MWW in, in the UK. So I, I suppose that's one of your challenges to is to increase the breadth of that offer in, yeah. in, in London. I mean, I see we offer the same. We've got the same skills. We just don't have yeah. as broad a client list as they yeah. do okay. in the US. Right. Yeah. Um, because that's, I mean, that's hard, isn't it, to do mm. that? I mean, it's a, it's a great challenge to have, and mm. I suspect it's one you're really looking forward to doing. But 
trying to to find the right the right people mm. is difficult isn't it it's difficult it's, it's... yeah and i'm i am interviewing quite aggressively at Are the you? moment <laughs> yes <laughs> aggressive um, interviewing um yes it's finding the right you know the right people for my senior team that can help help us win business and keep business because that's that's what it's about Really? Funny that I was I was interviewing a, a recruiter earlier. What uh-huh. from the from the buy side? What what are the you know what are the what's the challenges from for, from your um, clearly, clearly not drilling down to any specific interviewees, but the, as a sort of general a general theme of the lessons on or the challenges of recruitment from uh, at the senior end of the market. Um, I think it's it's the process. You know, I, I don't think I'm very good at interviewing people, to be honest. So join the club. <laughs> um, it's trying to make sure that um, it, it, I think they need to know that they're going to be. Are they going to be a cultural fit, and are yeah. they going to so hard deliver to results? Though, I mean, I think you can't unless you go out for a drink with them, which I think we probably will do with yeah. the two that we're interviewing at the moment. Um, I am actually asking them to come in and do ask us specific briefs like live briefs just to see how they think but I kind of expect that at that level um, better to know it before you've before you've hired but though, try and yeah. try and like look back on their CV and see if there's anybody that we know that's worked with them in the past I gotcha. do tend to do that quite a bit everyone so. talks about this cultural fit though mm. I'm, I'm intrigued by that because it, I mean I that has to be right. I'm not suggesting it's not right. But trying to ascertain whether somebody is going to be a cultural fit mm. in your agency mm. on the basis of, you know, like answering a live brief, going out for drinks, two, three, four meetings. I mean, you you can only make a, the judgment at the end yeah. of all of that. But it's it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It is hard. I, th- I can think uh, there were one or two examples over the last five years where things have not <laughs> worked out very well, well. I think that's the same for everybody. Mm. I mean, that that is... And it's... If you get it wrong, and this isn't a, an MWW thing I'm, no. talking about, I'm talking about, the risk of senior recruits going wrong, when you've got to do them. I mean, yeah. you know, there's no choice in this. It's, yeah. You have to do them. You do, you do. It's not like... It, it then takes up a huge amount of time, resource... Um, and also the person you employ, you don't, you know, people have got mortgages to pay. You know, mm. and, and it's, it's, it's a serious business. And... It's a serious business. I listen to quite interesting. So we're digressing, but uh, the CEO of Havas, uh, Chris Hurst, has got a book coming out called No Bullshit Leadership. Right. And I listened to his talk last week, and he he says you divide people up into a, in, you know into a box where they, um, you know, like the um, time management box: urgent, important, non-urgent, non-important. But you do uh, um, gets us cultural fit delivers results and then you you check you check those boxes under each and if obviously if they get results and and uh, and a cultural fit obviously keep them if they get results but they're not a cultural fit he says get rid of them if they don't get results but they're a cultural fit then try and coach them and obviously if they don't get results and they're a bit of a twit then get rid of them but the cult the cultural fit and getting you as an agency seems to be more important than delivering results and you can have somebody who's amazing that can win business and get amazing results but if they're causing a problem internally with the culture and people are leaving then gotta go gotta go which is quite a hard decision to make if you're not that i'm in that situation yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's what i'm trying to think about when i'm interviewing these people are they going to help me win business keep business and are they a nice person yeah that i want to have a drink with yeah but it's also i mean we'll i'll move on but the um, it is a responsibility mm. as well, isn't it? I think when before people have, without being too brutal, overheads, mm. uh, i.e. when they're, they're a bit younger, it's not such a responsibility. Mm. But when people have got 
children mm. and and or uh, and the uh, uh, mortgages and all the rest of it. Mm. You know, it can. If it's a, it's a, it, it. You don't want to hire and it not work out. No, it is a responsibility. It is a responsibility. But employees here are way better protected than they are in That's the US. True. I can tell yeah, you that yeah. for nothing. Yeah. The US's standard notice period is two weeks. Yeah, but it seems to work. I mean, everyone, we always go, oh, wow, that sounds incredible. But it's, guess what? It's, it's been like that forever and they don't, they don't even think about it, do no, they? It's, no, um, they don't. Maybe it's better. Um, well, maybe you could hire people quicker as opposed yeah. to everybody I'm interviewing is obviously on three months' notice. So, yeah. um, you know, even if I find somebody good, they're not going to be starting till April. Yeah. Um, so, and, by, yeah. and by the time three months gone, they might have got a better counter offer or a, well, I hope not. another interview or... <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. It's it's, the, it, it's a, a process yeah. of with, with, fraught with danger along yeah. the whole way. Yeah. Um, now, you, you you became UKMD of MWW in August this year. That's right. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I just want to have that conversation before mm. this. This I, we, we talk about this because I really like it for when when firms appoint mm. from within. Mm. Um, and it seems to me it's a it's a I should do this analysis, but I suspect it has a far greater chances of, of being a successful appointment if it's a, a, a senior a, um, promotion mm. as opposed to a senior hire, mm. if you see what I mean. Um, but what made you decide that it was time to, to, to go for that top job? Well, I was a deputy MD for the last few years. Um, so I've kind of sort of doing 70% of the job right. already, along with Paddy as, as MD. Um, I think my decision was prompted by the fact my children were a little bit older um i'd also found a very good nanny um <laughs> which is really important yeah. um how old are your kids they're seven and nine okay so they're still pretty young yeah they're still yeah, quite yeah. young and I, and I was thinking about the fact you know do i want to put myself forward for this at a time when my eldest is you know coming up to you know exams to get into senior school mm. and should i be at home more and it's such an interesting thought you have that as you know as a, a, a woman having that mm. thought and my, I'm assuming here, but a man probably doesn't. Do you see what I mean? And that it really does get down to the the heart of that gender pay gap element, doesn't it? Is yeah, it? but I suppose. But my husband and I, we had a conversation. I said, right, if I am, he was the one that actually said, why don't you know? Why are you letting them go ahead with interviewing other candidates? Why don't you put your hat into the ring? Right. I was like, oh, okay, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I think they were... Um, were they hoping you were going to put your hat into the ring? I don't I, know. I don't, I don't even have to ask Michael that. I right. think because it, the, to date it had, being the deputy MD role, um, being, you know, allowed Paddy to be the face and inter, interaction with, yeah. with my US colleagues, that yeah. it did suit me to a certain extent because my kids were younger, um, I was four days a week, um, you know, I could I, I could be more flexible. I mean, we are pretty flexible um, employer actually. We have a lot of mums that have come back to work, um, but I felt like they didn't have the res- as much responsibility as say Paddy right. um, did have. But you know, I had, did have an open conversation with my husband that okay, well, if I do go for it and I do get it, then you know, not that he doesn't pull his weight at home, but just to make sure that you know there will be. Th- we have to just share the yeah. more of the responsibility it, 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 in terms of yeah. you know being out more in the evening or going in early. So it is a juggle, but yeah. um, we have to do a boring thing where we look at each other's diaries at the beginning of the week. Yeah, right. I think it was Sarah, Sarah Ogden had a, a similar. I think it was a podcast. It might have been an interview at, at, at Zeno Three Monkeys, mm-hmm. and she was just saying that her and her husband have absolute um, equal childcare mm. responsibilities mm. if you like they do share drop off and yep. pick up if, yep. if you get what I mean and, yep. and that seemed to that, that made a lot of sense with me that if yeah. you, you have to have that um, 
that sharing of responsibility. Otherwise, it, it's an uneven, you know, it, it becomes uneven, isn't yeah. it? And, un- and unfair, actually. Yeah, no, and I we mean, do. It made me feel guilty, actually. I, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I'm not sure. I've stepped up a bit. But, oh, no, yeah, it is. Yeah. We, are, we do share everything 50-50 and we do, we do take turns. So if one of us has got to be home to pick up from a different place where the nanny can't get to, then yeah. we share that responsibility. But yeah. I could not do it without without the nanny yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter about the husband <laughs> but the nanny is absolutely crucial brilliant um, but just just onto that then so you I, I'm just interested that you uh, you didn't immediately put your hand up and mm. go right I want that top job mm. you 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 kind of it took me a few weeks yeah, to, right. uh, to put myself I, I don't want to you know what was there was obviously the the, the children thing mm. but what, was there anything else was it a uh, no, I just think I think I I just hadn't got my I hadn't thought about it. Right, because you, had you always wanted to, you know you you seem like a an ambitious lady. You 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 want to was it something? Did you always see yourself eventually as a, uh, a as wanting to be an MD? Um, no, I don't think I did. I okay. think uh, I think it this process awoke some sort of inner ambition that was <laughs> was down there, and I, you know, I, I do. Like that, <laughs> yeah, it was quite. It yeah. was refreshing and surprising. Yeah. You know, being in the, this business for over twenty years, it's it's nice to have a a surprising response to something like that. And I thought, yeah, actually, I do want this right. job, and I'm going to do everything I can to get it. So, you know, there was an interview process. There were external candidates were interviewed. Yeah. Um, and I presented a business plan, um, an ambitious one at that. And, um, you know, I think demonstrated, uh, um, uh, really helped the my US CEO get to know me a bit better because he, probably my fault, he didn't really know me very right. well, even though we he'd bought the agency five years ago. But I think that's, uh, I mean, who knows, but I suspect... There is an underrepresentation of of really good leaders mm. who who don't necessarily show, put their hand up early enough. If you see what I mean, I, I, it sounds like a um, a good a, a good rounded skill set to have as a leader of someone who's who sort of gone on a journey to get to that mm. position, as opposed mm. to I don't know, perhaps having an ego led. Um, for, from an early age or an earlier age, I should say. Um, well, I mean, I um, suppose that what also helped was the team. They were very enthusiastic and right. really behind. Oh, really they knew nice, that I, when I was going off for my interview with Michael, and they were like, have <laughs> well, you heard bring, yet? Have you heard yet? Yeah, exactly. It? <laughs> it's like, oh, God, you know, don't mess it up, Rebecca. Otherwise, who knows who they'll bring in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I felt, you know, and they, they, I genuinely felt that they were really pleased and oh, good. excited that I'd actually got the job. So, okay. you know, that's that, that was the other reason that I wanted to do it because we've got a really great bunch of people okay. um, in the London office at the moment um, and you know they're the reason I keep know, keeping the team work. together yeah exactly and you hinted at a bit you've obviously got um, ambitious growth plans for MWW in the yes, UK well, yeah. just talk to us about those um, well I've t- talked a bit about the sectors that we want to grow in um, but I, you know in terms of uh, revenue growth we do want to grow uh, obviously organically um, we are increasing our marketing um, spends for next year. We're doubling our marketing spend, so making sure that we're at the right events, um, raising our profile in different um, areas. Then we are entering more awards as well, which we we did a lot of in our first couple of years and have not have been guilty of that slipping off our to do list. But doing more music of that. Years, the PR moment yeah. awards, obviously on our calendar. Then, <laughs> um, so there's that side of it. And I, you know, I, uh, Michael Kempner does have plans, you know, acquisition plans for next year. And right. um, you know, we will. I have some my thoughts on what we should 
be doing over here and and he probably has some of his own as well so when he's next over um we'll take that to the next day but you know a food food and drink would be a good bolt on for us you know we've got some good fintech and financial services but a small acquisition in that space again would right. would um bolster onto what we're already doing but you know it's it's challenges finding those um agencies yeah um but, the but what's good is that you you've been in that london market around those sectors for for a while yeah. now, so you you know your way around yeah exactly um, and you probably know what's good who's good and who's bad yeah. and all that type of thing yeah but if you you know know anybody let me know <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's always everyone asks me that but I, it, it, it it's such a difficult thing to um in, until you can only have a, a sort of a, a macro view on a company, can't you? Because mm. what guess what everyone tells me how well they're doing. Yeah. Um, and you, you it, it's it until you've spoken to a few clients or you looked at the numbers mm. a little bit. It's quite tough to um, quite, quite tough to really to really work that one through. I think so. I think again, it's like with the interviewing. As long as it's a yeah. if it's a cultural fit and you get on as people, then that's yeah. the first step. That's true. Um, and then you take it from there. But the process take it does take a long time. These things don't happen overnight. Which I, I had someone in it about eight months is about the quickest. It, it all about yeah, that. that's pretty good. I yeah. don't know how long the Braben acquisition took, um, but it can be can be a while. Mm. Okay, Rebecca, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.